Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And this is Scott Galloway. Hello, Scott Galloway. It was so good to see you this week. We did a very nice live event and everybody loved us. The sponsors loved us. The audience loved us. It was amazing. Yeah, it was nice. And I get my observation, Kara, I got the sense you are in a really good place. Is that are my senses of observation accurate? You seemed as if you're doing well. I I'm always doing well, Scott. See that I disagree. I do not with. have anything to complain. We had three generations. We had three generations of Swishers there, which made it an event, uh, a Swisher event. We had your mom, mom. and we had your soon-to-be new kid. I don't know. I don't know how to say that. (laughs) In utero is the term. Yeah, there you go. In utero, yes, my yes, yes, yes. And what did they think of the event? There were three generations of Swishers. All uh, girls, which is very exciting. I mean, I'm very excited about that. That's obviously the most important thing. But I really enjoyed our event together. And I people are comparing us to Regis and Kathy Lee. They're making uh, all kinds of like comparisons. I feel like you're Kathy Lee, obviously. Co- correct? Oh, the, the the drunk crazy one who's obsessed with youth? Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. We have a bingo. <laughs> That's the big dog. Yeah, I like Kathy yeah, Lee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to do more of these events because the people love it. And fans were really lining up. They were gathered around you like you were. They, they have this like huge man crush on Scott Galloway. No, they just think I'm holding. Everyone thinks I take vaping to the extent <laughs> that I'm going to show up with some spleef or something. Yeah. No, so what cities <laughs> what are we picking? I don't even picking? know what that is. What cities are we I don't we know. Picking? What do you, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Mm, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty down with anything. Although speaking of... Cities. I've decided that uh, I was recently uh, granted uh, an American Express gold card. So my credit has gone way up. And I want to announce officially here that I'm lobbying in an offer to purchase the assets and domain of Uzbekistan. Okay. <laughs> Why? Well, one, I just think it'd be cool to say you're Uzbeki. I just think that sounds mm-hmm. cool. Okay. All right. And if Donald, I'm pretty sure I have a net worth that's greater than um, the president's. Uh, and if he's mm-hmm. willing to release his taxes, I'll release mine. I'm pretty confident I have more money. So I think I should own a sovereign territory. I'm ready. Okay. All right. Uzbekistan it is. No, but if you could buy anything, would it be Greenland? I would buy, what would I buy? France, obviously. Oh, that'd be, awesome. France. that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. France. Yeah. I wonder if France is Move into the Louvre. Or yeah, the Deorsay? Yeah. Well, Move into the Deorsay. Louver. Yeah. Louver. Okay. Well, I want to live in the Louver, yeah, you French okay. people. <laughs> you do I can it. See Listen that. to me. We're going to get into the serious topic. Our yeah. first question is this Denmark situation, which also took place over Twitter. 
Again, this is like then now we're doing foreign policy. We did national policy on Twitter, foreign policy on Twitter. The Danish prime minister said uh, she's a, a new prime minister uh, and she's fantastic. And yeah. uh, she said it's absurd that he wants to do this. <laughs> then he got mad and started tweeting like a lunatic yeah. about it. And the, you can't talk to me this way, you know. Yeah, and of course, he used the term nasty, nasty for a woman, which is his favorite moniker for a woman. Um just because you use the word absurd, which it is. Um, so what what do you make of all this, like, international policy over Twitter? So, look, look, I, I think, I mean, the medium, the medium's one thing, but I, I think the long-lasting damage here is that our allies bring incredible heft, military mind, cooperation around intelligence, and effectively what the president is doing with his kind of eight-year-old id you know, no safeguards, n- nobody around him who has the authority to rein him in. He's basically, for the war hawks out there, are people who can link our defense and our brave women and men who guard our shores to our prosperity, you know, and our freedoms. He's basically cut our military in half because we no longer have the full faith and cooperation of allies that have taken a half a century or seven years to develop those relationships. He's trashing these relationships that have taken decades. Denmark was one of the first nations to agree to um, go into Iraq and Afghanistan with us, and they lost 40 brave young men and women fighting mm-hmm. alongside our soldiers. And, and yeah. so, and you know, that kind of commitment, that kind of, you know, whether or not that was a good idea for them long term, Sure, they thought about it, but more than anything, they thought about this is our ally, this is our brother, mm-hmm. our sister in arms, and when they find reason to get in harm's way, way, we go with them. And the question is, the next time we need our brothers and sisters overseas to put themselves in harm's way alongside with us, are they more inclined to say no? So yeah. this stuff yeah. is just, it's incredibly damaging long term. Well, it is. I do think the media matters because I think it's it, let, it brings it to a level of absurdity, yeah. you know, including this week tweeting that he was king of Israel, like someone who said he was king of Israel. <laughs> king of the Jews. Like, the, what, what, <laughs> oh, my God. I, you know, ghost, I know, right? Goes to Passover once at his son-in-laws. And what do you know? He's king of the Jews now. It's just fascinating that like, but the, the medium is important because it's a twitchy, reactive, like, I'm a I'm a tantrum thrower, and it gives him the ability. It would be so much. He couldn't tweet some idiotic. He couldn't say some idiotic thing. He does that all the time. He obviously gives these helicopter press con- hel- behind the helicopter press conferences. Uh, but he this gives him it serves a twitchiness that creates even more chaos. And I do think the media matters here. Yeah, and the other story that was probably overlooked was like. I mean, Israel radically fucked up and then they kind of unwound their fuck up. And let me before I get accused of being an anti-Semite, if you ever say anything negative about Israel, I let me up my Jew cred. I'm Jewish. I have a family that lives on Moshav. My cousin was a tank commander in the Israeli army. But for the but for Israel to allow itself to be weaponized by an eight year or a four year administration and then start excluding elected officials from their country, of uh, primarily because, let's be honest, they're not white, is mm-hmm. to all of a sudden, of all people that should recognize the dangers of in any way discriminating against people of color, you'd think it would be Israel. And to their credit, right. they unwound that. And somebody, somebody sort of. pulled their heads out of their asses and said, you know what? This is just a bad idea. And they had the bravery. Sort of. They had all kinds of conditions and she's not going. The damage was done. Yeah, this is just awful. I mean, I mean, turning, breaking, uh, you know, breaking, breaking ground out with allies and then 
weaponizing other allies against your own your own brothers and sisters who are also elected officials. We, I just it's just like when does this stop, Kara? When does right. when does this stop? When does this bad does fucking not. movie end? Possibly November twenty twenty. Oh, Possibly Amen, November twenty twenty. But here's the deal. Do, should journalists stop covering this stuff? I think it's I had an argument with someone online about this. And I was like, he's the president. Like, you have to cover it. Like, you don't. It's like, I, I mean, I know that's kind of a quick answer to something, but it's very hard because it does have real world implications right now. It does have, you know, iterations of him doing this. I think it's impossible not to cover it. Yeah, like I, I agree that the media, what choice they have. He's the president. They've got to cover it. Some of this stuff has such injurious impact where I think the media is a little bit guilty or a lot guilty is they're constantly trying to remember when you're in high school and I don't know if this ever happened to you. It happened to me a couple of times. Someone pushes you into a center where there's a fight and starts screaming, fight, fight. The media is always trying no. to pit everyone against each other. Even look at the debates. The debates aren't yeah. here. Provide us with a thoughtful commentary on climate change. It's like she said, you're a racist. Your turn. Mm-hmm. You know, so right. it's like the media is like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. They're attracted towards violence and movement, and they want to create violence wherever they can. And I think it does a terrible job creating creating conflict where there doesn't need to be. But yeah, they have to cover this stuff. I don't see how you yeah. don't cover this stuff. I don't know. But, you know, they, I don't agree with you on the violence thing because I just interviewed Steve Schwartzman of the Blackstone Group. He has a new book out. Um, he's obviously a very tight ally of President Trump. Um, and one of the things he was saying is like, since from the beginning of his his term, he's never he he was under attack, and that's been unprecedented. And I was like, he kind of starts the fight. Like speaking of fight, and he just couldn't see that. He was like, no, because no one's been so attacked, no one's been so disrespected. I was like, no, but he starts it. He creates the fight, and then one is is it, it always every one of these encounters is I'm being disrespected. Like the 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 Denmark. Denmark was disrespecting him by saying absurd. This was disrespecting him. So he reacts to news stories and actually punches. And the, the stupid trope that Trump people do is all the time is like, well, he hits back 10 times harder. I'm like, what? Like, why is that allowed to keep going on, this idea that he should be able to hit back 10 times harder? He's, he has a, a bigger duty than hitting back 10 times harder. And he does, he uses social media tools to do so quite a bit. It's not defensive. That whole bullshit that he's a counterpuncher, he's, he flails right. wildly in offense. And, you know, my guy, Senator Bennett, had the right term. He said, and by the way, his most retweeted tweet was he said, if you elect me president, I promise you won't have to think about me more than every two weeks. I'll handle the crisis <laughs> at the border. I'll deal with the North yeah. Koreans. And you can go back to raising your kid and living your life. And yeah. I, I'm really interested in this notion that happiness isn't only a function of what you have or can get. It's a function of th- your absence from certain things, absence from fear that you could be bankrupted by a healthcare scare. scare. I want I, I I think our happiness as Americans would be largely increased if we were absent from the day to day bullshit and, mo- you know, media cycle covering dear leader. And that right. the, it, it, there's an inverse correlation between competence and your need to be in the media every day. And what we have is an incompetent. And it just every day I'm just sick of hearing about it. The president, any president, Democrat, Republican, any senator shouldn't be in our face this much. Enough already. Let's get on to other shit. Which is why I want to shut down Twitter. Okay. All right. Moving (laughs) along. uh, Speaking of of the cycle, Bennett is still in the the game, in the the Democratic candidate. He's still hanging on. Uh, 
Um, but Jay Inslee left. Uh, Hickenlooper's now running for Senate in Colorado. Jay Inslee, who was pushing client, he had, of course, a moment on Twitter by being hot. Um, and he's indeed, I just saw him recently. He's indeed quite a handsome man. Um, but, uh, but he's, he's, he's coming out. Where do you, where, where, where are we in that cycle? These people moving out, we obviously still have, uh, Beto, we've got Marion Williams and we got all kinds of people. Well, the next, where are we? The next big hurdle, right, is the September debates. And people are largely Mm -hmm. saying that the next debates, if you're not on that stage, you're kind of out. And what's interesting is that, the Democratic Party, in an effort to kind of not make the mistake of being sort of the the vehicle for just getting Hillary the nomination, has decided to right. put in place all these metrics. And one of the metrics is the number of small donors you get from 20 states. I think you have to get, you know, a certain number of donors from. And what, so what's happened is the campaigns are spending $70 online to get a $1 donation. Yeah. And it's yeah. I think Pete was doing something like that. You get to have coffee with him or something in yeah, South Bend. That's right. He's he's actually quite creative. I don't know if you get these emails, yeah. but they're doing a lot of very interesting and creative things. Uh, Michael Bennett wrote a book uh, about all uh, highlighting all the content and uh, propaganda that the Russians used against us. And if you if you uh, send him a dollar, he buys the book and he sends it to Moscow, Mitch. But we're about we're about to see we're about to see a culling of the herd. There was a New York there was yeah. a great daily from the New York Times on Kristen Gillibrand and the Al Franken um, um, Al Franken yeah. departure, which I think I think has probably injured her. I think it gave her the platform to get to run for president, but I think it's probably going to take her out a bit early because uh, mm-hmm. I think people are now revisiting that entire issue. But yeah, and De Blasio, your favorite. Oh my God! Oh my God! You <laughs> should run for president. Said no one ever. Right? I mean, literally <laughs> just, that. You got to. You get, love your mayor. You, got, you love your mayor of New York. You're, he's your mayor. <laughs> it's just hilarious that that guy. I, you know, you got to admire his confidence. He's literally. Yeah, he's, I guess. He's. If it's like me, Tall. I tried out for quarterback at UCLA. That's the same type of confidence. You need to run for mayor <laughs> really? when you're Bill de Blasio. By the way, so that, I tried out with I tried out with um, Steve Bono went on to be AFC All Pro at Kansas City, and then Troy Aikman, uh, who went on to win the Super Bowl four times. And shocker, Kara, I did not ever get mm-hmm. to throw the ball for the for the mighty you know, Bruins. Speaking of football, I just want to go off the thing the things we talked about because I want to get to Tesla and I want to get to these attorney states attorney generals investigating tech companies. But the NFL deal with uh, with Jay Z. Interesting. From a brand. What do you think of that from a brand? Because he was a very close, he, Colin Kaepernick, he was affiliated. What? What? Explain that to me, brand man. Well, look, it, bringing in Jay-Z to talk about um, race relations, I, I think there's some value there. I, I think the deal itself is, you know, it's getting a lot of criticism. Um, um, and I'd be curious to your take. But I have a trouble just getting past the NFL because I basically think yeah, the NFL— has institutionalized the recruitment of these kind of these these incredibly impressive, beautiful young men and decided, all right, our job is to give them tardive dyskinesia by the time they're 45. And I think it's really sad. I think that uh, the amount of injury when you take these incredibly talented, uh, fast, strong, and, and quite frankly, men who are told to be violent for 200 minutes I just think we're finally coming to grips with the p- fact that, like boxing, football probably shouldn't be. You know, we're just going to have to radically change the game. So I, I, I've yeah. stopped watching football. Technology. That's what'll do it. Robots. Fight. Very hard. I hate. I wouldn't. Let, I, I will not let my children play football. No way. Yeah, and you know what? It's and too my bad. One son it's a great. Really wanted to play. It's a great sport. Team sport teaches physical discipline, teamwork. Mm-hmm. It really is a fantastic sport. 
but until we figure out a way to stop the the massive unnatural rotation of a man's head and, and yeah. create that sort of brain trauma, then unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, it, quite frankly, if those injuries resulted in immediate uh, here's here's the worst thing that happened to these young men is that the injuries have a lag effect because if they had an immediate lag effect and a guy who was had a Nike contract was all of a sudden shaking and having a palsy right away after he'd been hit, the sport would be shut down. But unfortunately, there's a 10 to 30 year lag. Yeah. And so yeah. by the time they're forgotten and are doing something else, yeah. uh, we don't care. But anyways, what did you think? What do you think of the Jay-Z it's, NFL deal? I just was like, come on, like they're. The, you know, the Colin Kaepernick, the way they, I don't know. They're just, these owners, I just think they're just awful. <laughs> just like, they just like as a group, they're awful. They're just, as uh, the whole thing. I was sort of like, wow, that's that's trying to sort of, you know, pretty up something that's not very pretty by putting someone who's super hip and answers your race issues. And I don't know. I don't even know. And, you know, he's a great entrepreneur and very creative and everything else. But it just was like, oh, God, really, everything's for sale. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I kept thinking. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? It's, a, it's an interesting brand move on their part. But let's get to Tesla. No, actually, let's get to WeWork first and then Tesla, and then we we'll work. go for a break. Oh, my God. WeWork. I wrote a column, and I included Scott Galloway in the New York Times column. Thanks you know I have that. a column in the New York Times. I've heard. In case you're, you really? <laughs> really? You write for the New York Times, Kara? Yeah. I do, but I, I got yeah. inspiration from you, this column about WeWork, and I was showing the different points of view about this company, and I included yours, which was quite firm in the camp that this this is a big Ponzi scheme, essentially. Well, here's the thing. And uh, my post on, back to me, my post on WeWork got more mm. hits than anything I've ever posted, which I wasn't expecting. Wow. And yeah. a lot of people uh, in, a, in, in, in an effort to balance the arguments included an, argu uh, uh, an article from Ben Thompson from Stratechery. And I think Ben is incredibly thoughtful. I'm a big fan. And his viewpoint was this could be the next kind of AWS and that it allows people similar to the way they use AWS to scale up or down something they need, mm -hmm. in this case, not data storage but in the, or processing power, right. but in this case, office space, scale it up or down. And then it's incredible AWS-like uh, customer proposition. And I think he's right. I think this is, in fact, a great, just as being a, a passenger in Uber is a great value proposition for you because you're getting a $15 ride for 10 bucks. And when right now, mm -hmm. given that WeWork's going to do about $2 billion in revenues and lose $1.9, when you pay $100 in rent, you're getting $200 worth of office space. Where I think he missed the point and where I'm, you know, my focus is, is that this is an AWS in the sense that on the, uh, the the company side, they're not getting the economies of scale that AWS is mm -hmm. getting. Because once AWS covers their costs, incremental consumers are incredibly high margin. And it doesn't appear that right. the gross margins or the variable margins are WeWork. They're still shitty. In other words, their costs yes, more. are not yeah, going down more. as they scale. So another dollar in right. revenue costs them another 97 cents. And this company just doesn't scale. And, in sum, this is a cute little real estate company, a better idea, a great brand, an interesting culture, community, value proposition, should trade at double the valuation of its peers, meaning it's worth three to five billion dollars. And what do you have? You have JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs who are going to register $130 million to fling shit at visitors to the unicorn zoo. And it, this is going to be fascinating to see if this gets out. Yeah. Do you think this we gets will out? See. Do you think this gets out? I, I don't know. I mean, they, the way they've done it, this the whole the way they wrote this thing seems like so arrogant and obnoxious. And it's a, of another era. I was like, wait, you know, 1990, 1997 is calling and you yeah. need to go back there. 100%. That's really, I think. 
But when you, you know, I think we'll see. When you, I'm just curious. We'll I want some into baseball here because I hear from people, but I think when I write something, I hear mm-hmm. from an entirely different universe of people because I'm not a journalist, which means I I have no standards. So I hear from a lot of people, but my sense is when you write something like that in the New York Times, do you mm-hmm. hear from the company and what do they say? Well, I, I will let you know. <laughs> you know, I haven't discuss things with them. I, you know, I, I, I went back and forth over whether I should call them. And I thought, no, I'm just going to, they put it out there. I'm going to respond to their, to what they wrote. Cause they put out a little, you know, a 350 page document about themselves. And so that's what I was responding to. I think, I think I'm coming sort of around sometimes on some things to your idea of like, why do I even need to talk to them? I can analyze business and numbers and stuff like that. On some levels, you, w- once you talk to people, you get, you, you, reporters, again, a big secret, you get nicer to them if you talk to them. 100%. They're nice people. They're super likable, too. That's the problem. Right. And I don't mean nice, fair. It's like you're like, you give them much more than the benefit of the doubt if they talk to you. If they don't, you just do your job. So I don't know. It's, you know, it's it's an interesting question. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. That's a a really key point because 30 years ago, there were twice as many Kara Swishers as there are today. And that's a frightening image. But what I'm saying is, is that there were twice as many journalists. The number of journalists in America has been cut in half by, in the last 30 years, primarily because of Google and Facebook that are sucking all the oxygen out of the air and killed the classified ads, which was so, sort of the full employment act for journalists. But half as many journalists and the number of corporate communications executives has trebled. So the ratio of people actually, you know, uncovering this bullshit and pulling the wallpaper off the truth has now the ratio has gone down six to one. And so corporate communications executives, I think all of us have an obligation to spend a lot of time working with journalists. I mean, I just did an interview with this crazy little paper in Germany. I'm trying to make an effort to really speak to a lot of journalists if and when I think I can add value. And I, for the most part, don't take calls from corporate communication execs. They're all charming. They're all super nice. And I don't want to speak to them. All right, then. Then do, do not, Scott. Last real go. quick before we get to a break. Tesla, the rumor of Tesla getting sold to Volkswagen. What do you make of it? Yeah, that came out in a hot minute. I'll be curious to find out if there's anything going out there. It started this morning. Tesla's stocks spiked. And then somebody said, why? Someone asked the question, well, why? Would Tesla buy this company? Their 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 own EV efforts look to be taking shape, and also all you have to do to get Tesla for much less th- than it's trading for now is just wait because this company is gonna the stock here is gonna crash. I think the bloom is finally off the Tesla rose. So that I think it was a rumor that lasted about an hour, and all of a sudden I think the stock is back down again. But somebody leaked the rumor that Volkswagen was gonna was gonna purchase them, and it was it was kind of legitimate for about five minutes this morning. All right. Well, we'll see. It was interesting for it to pop up. That was an interesting rumor because, you know, it's, it's within the realm. I, the reason why I think it works is because it's within the realm of possibility of sale, which was interesting. Well, there's only two auto companies that can own it. I mean, the, an auto company is the natural acquirer. Yeah. And the only two auto companies that have the balance sheet to do it are, are VW or maybe, well, actually, maybe Daimler Benz. and then Toyota. Daimler. So maybe there's yeah. maybe there's yeah. three, but I don't see why any of them would 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 buy this thing. Because you get to hang with Elon. Oh, for goodness sake. Elon. Anyway, <laughs> Elon. Okay, we'll be back with predictions and wins and fails right after this. But now it's time for an ad. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, 
What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We're back with Scott Galloway, who is in Nantucket. How are you? How is the shark monitoring going, by the way? I mean, Amityville? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. I'm not worried about it at you all. You haven't been in the water? All right. Okay. All right. Well, because you don't go in the water. So wins and fails this week. What Do you have any? Would you like, you know, we can talk about a lot of things. The state attorney generals are moving forward to joint antitrust investigations of big tech. That's very exciting. Uh, all, Facebook has off Facebook activity tool. Um so what, what what would you like to win and fail? Uh, so my win is Professor Daniel Markovitz. I'm fascinated with um, I love all professor this. things lately. Yeah, well, trying to trying to help my brothers and sisters. So he's um, he teaches, I believe, at Yale Law School, and he's written um, a great book on the meritocracy trap. And he's basically pointing out that since the 1950s, the number of people who get uh, go from the lowest quintile to the uh, highest quintile has been cut in half. So this 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 notion of meritocracy is really dangerous, and it's dangerous for a few reasons. So standardized tests, the SAT, the term standardized is total bullshit because kids who come from families who make more than $200,000 a year on average score 240 points higher than kids from families that register less than 40K a year. At these universities, they have more students from the top 1% of income earning households than the bottom 60%. So the notion that we live in a meritocracy is not only incorrect, it's dangerous. And the reason it's dangerous is it creates this general gestalt that if you aren't successful, if you aren't a millionaire in the United States, that you fucked up. And every day we get reminders on our social feeds of all the cool toys and fabulous people that our friends are playing with and hanging out with. And this notion, it's layered with this icing of we live in a meritocracy. So if you aren't on a yacht partying with the Kardashians, you fucked up. It's your fault. And it's making our teens more depressed. It's making us feel worse about ourselves. So meritocracy is largely a myth. And in addition, and Alain de Baton, the philosopher uh, out of Britain, has done some amazing work here. I think he's going to be a seminal thinker in 50 years. We're going to look back and think that guy was a gangster. But he's basically said the problem you know, the reverse of a caste system and meritocracy, but the, the problem with American meritocracy is we assume that everyone that isn't rich, it's that it's your fault. And it's not. Right, exactly. Uh, so anyways, yeah. my- The secret. My The win. secret, Scott. It's because of you. That's the reason. Or lean in or any of these things. It's, it's an idea. It's the continuing American narrative that you are where you are because of what you did. Well, and that's, that's, and I'm guilty of it too, because I found that through my 30s and 40s, and I'm, I'm constantly bo- boasting- about my background and where I ended up because I'm very proud of it. But here's the reality. Being born a heterosexual white male in 1964 was literally the luckiest ticket. That was the lottery ticket because what, what did it mean? It means you came into the University of California in the 80s where you got to go to an amazing university for free. It means 
you got to graduate into the greatest economic creation in the history of mankind, where more wealth was created with a seven-mile radius of SFO airport in seven years than all of Europe since World War II. You know, it just meant, it, it literally meant you were caught in the greatest updraft in history. And I think for a long time, a lot of us, including myself, credited our success, credited our character and our grit, not recognizing, you know what, we just got really, really lucky. And I think that these mm -hmm. academics are pointing out that, hey, guys, you know, how much of this is luck and how much of this is bad luck? And it also brings up a really interesting notion with Andrew Yang, who I want to thank you. You turned me on to, to Yang. Mm -hmm. This notion of universe. Yang, gang. You know, this freedom. You're part of the Yang gang now? I, I, you know what? So I'm interested, I'm really interested in this notion of transfers of wealth. And whenever you talk about redistribution, and I'm really on my soapbox now, whenever we talk about increasing taxes for the rich, the Republicans say, well, that's a redistribution of wealth. The greatest redistribution of wealth in the history of mankind has been happening for about 30 or 40 years, and that's a redistribution of wealth from poor young people to older rich people in the form of capital gains tax cuts, mortgage tax deduction, and then the ultimate wealth transfer is social security. And I like the idea of Andrew Yang's uh, uh, freedom dividend, but I think it should be adjusted for income. But there's something yeah. here yeah. that we- He's talked about that. He talked about that too. We need- certain people don't get it. We need certain to have people. a serious readjustment or re-leveling from the transfer of wealth from young and poor people to old and rich people that has taken place over the last 20 or 30 years that has really punctured any meritocracy. Agreed. I, I had a really good podcast with Stephen Greenhouse from the New York, who, former New York Times reporter has written a book about American labor. He has a lot to say about that, the, about UBI and more more than that in the transfer of wealth. And also Steve Schwartzman from Blackstone, who had a different opinion, yeah, as soccer. you might imagine. He's one of the uh, most highly paid executives in history, I guess. Very talented. Um, what did you? What were the talented. takeaways from his interview? I'd like to interview that, but what were kind of one or two interesting mm. takeaways? I find him to be, he's so allied with Trump. Every Democrat is terrible. You know what I mean? I mean anyone who's anti-business is terrible, I think. Uh, but he's he's done so much philanthropy that is so effective. Like, I've kind of like, it, it's a mixed bag because I think he he's he's so on the Trump train. I'm sort of like, you're so smart, really? Like, do you, you know what I mean? On some of the stuff. And I think I, I was surprised by that, uh, that much uh, defensiveness of Trump. But, uh, you know, I think I still have an issue, you know, a lot of fascinating things about his like Schwartz, uh, Schwartzman uh, uh, scholars that he's doing in China. He very prescient to bring hundreds of kids uh, to China to interact with the Chinese. I thought that was super smart. And I, I did. Uh, I, I do find uh, obviously, he's he's brilliant in many ways. And so I just was sort of fascinated. I think he still, I think he, when, when I asked him at the end what he would do now if he was a 20-year-old, what he'd go into, the stuff he just picked was really fascinating. He had, he had a real knowledge of entertainment, how how the entertainment world is changing. He'd still go into finance. He thinks that's undergoing a really interesting thing. And so I, it was very, it was interesting. I just, the only thing was that he just absolutely believes all Democrats don't like business. And I just, that's, that's not true. It's just not, it was, in, it was sort of a crouch position. You have to be in a crouch position if you're, if you're an advisor to Trump. Um, and then the other uh, part was he kept saying, you know, I'm just a businessman. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that was my favorite part. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're just a regular business guy who happens to have the ear of the president who obviously reveres you. Um, and you're so powerful. It was I, I love when they do that to me. I'm sort yeah, of like, other, right, other than whatever. having a big fat finger on on kind of the, the nuclear codes he, or the button. Right. He's probably in many ways more powerful than any president because there's more longevity yes. there. And what yeah. you brought up was sort of an interesting point around finance is, in fact, a lot of kids, when I say kids, my students come to me and ask me what industry they should go into. And there's a great study right now looking at um, 
funding to seed startups. And basically funding to any seed startup is a function or the volume of it is a function of the sector. And what's entirely obvious is all the sectors like retail, social, media, all the funding to those seed startups has collapsed. Why? Because there's monopolies and no one wants to fund companies uh, competing against monopolies. Whereas funding to things like blockchain, finance, microcredit is still really strong because Mm -hmm. those are not- There's no winner. That's right. There's no monopoly there to kick you in the balls over and over. So again- Which is- You know, word memo to the FTC and DOJ, we are in winter right now. We're in the worst of both worlds possible because the number of acquisitions that Big Four have made has declined by 72% year on year because they're worried about raising antitrust scrutiny. At the same time, we don't have startups. So we have an absolute- killing an absolute infanticide of innovation right now. And until the DOJ and the FTC get on it and either break these guys up or quite frankly, and I hope this doesn't happen, say, all right, we're not breaking them up and they begin acquiring companies again and investing. We are literally in in yep. winter here. So we're in the Agreed. worst of Agreed. And that's why my, wi- my win this week was this attorney generals, several of them moving forward with joint antitrust investigations. The more pressure brought to bear the Wall Street Journal, the specific number of states might join the investigation couldn't be learned. The one person from what the effort said up to 20 or more may participate. States getting together, especially if California is part of that, is going to be a big deal. So we'll see. Uh, what is your fail very quickly? And then you we'll get and to I have the, the, the same exact fail. And I've been doing all the speaking here. So I want you to talk about it. Our reporter, Shireen Ghaffari, uh, has reported that DoorDash is still taking tips from its workers, uh, even though it promised to change quickly, and it has not. There you have it. Yeah, that's great reporting. And I I, I did a, a hot take on this yesterday. You know, this, this I don't, I worked services jobs through uh, high school and college. I was a, bo- a box boy in a union. I was a waiter. I was a bus boy. I was a pool boy at the Mondrian Hotel in West Hollywood. And you know what? The generous people on a regular basis would change my life. When you're when you're working on a Sunday, and I, this is the you know walking through snow story. Uh, during the summer at UCLA, I needed to save a certain amount of money, and I lived on top ramen and bananas. And you can live on top ramen and bananas. It's not a, a, a you know it's not a it's not a you know what was me story. And occasionally, some really generous person would tip me ten, twenty, a couple times. I get fifty bucks, and it would change my life that day. I remember I would come home to him and say to my roommate, we're going to Sizzler. <laughs> where, where, remember Sizzler ads? It was like, we have no, I, I, I did not go to Sizzler. Oh, the best. All you can Scott. eat. All you can eat. Malibu chicken, $4.99. Well, with a coupon. A coupon from the Daily Bruin. And I would go to Sizzler. And I used to love the commercials and say, I don't have a lot of money. And I don't have a lot of time. We used to say, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of class. Sizzler. <laughs> Anyways, Sizzler. we used to go to Sizzler. Uh, you have not been. I always, I always wanted to go to those restaurants, and I grew up in a wealthy environment. I did, and my mom was like, no. no. way. <laughs> oh, the Sizzler was gangster. Anyways, never. But my never. point I is- I never had a blooming onion. Let me just say from the outback, I never had a blooming oh, onion. They, I know that's awesome. a t- sad tale of woe awesome. for a rich girl, but that was- uh, But that my was point my, is, tipping, the generosity of people tipping. is, it makes a huge- difference in people's lives. It's a wonderful thing. And it happens about a so, million times a day in America. And DoorDash has decided to fuck this wonderful well, thing. a lot of them. It's not just DoorDash. It looks like Amazon. Like a lot of people are, are taking their tip money. Yeah. You don't take people's tip money. Yeah, That's the situation, so, according you, you, to us. DoorDash fail. And they should know, Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway, eyes on DoorDash were watching. 30 days eyes. ago, they said they were changing it. And guess what? Eyes. They haven't. 
They have eyes, baby. Are, We're watching. We are watching from you. Afar. We're watching. We are you. watching you, especially Sizzler, Sizzler, Sizzler Scott. So that's your nickname. Um, so last thing, prediction. Very quickly, we got to get out of here. Sure. Got to get back to the beach. So track. my prediction is, I think Spotify is going to come out with a hardware device. I think Spotify has the Ooh. capital, the Northern European what? genetics to come up with incredible design. I think music is, I don't want to say desperate for a different type of hardware, but I, I think... What hardware? What are they going to make? I don't, An iPod? The answer is I don't know, but I think... You asked for a prediction. I'm trying to do something bold and different here, and there was a rumor... What is specific? They filed with the FCC that they're thinking about, that they filed the requisite paperwork to release a consumer device. And I think Spotify... I think a European, Northern European uh, design element listening device or some sort of audio device is uh, brought to you by Spotify has win written all over it. So my prediction Does it? is within the next six to 12 months, Spotify comes out with a piece of hardware for streaming for music. That's fascinating. Now, how does it battle Apple and Google? Like, come on, like my kids listen on their phones, everything. I can't imagine them having a separate device to listen to music. Well, the device, the two companies- have to get, like massage their shoulders or something. <laughs> the most innovative devices right now, I think in in- audio are obviously Amazon's Echo device. And also, I think Sonos does a great job. And I really like the Sonos, CEO there. Yeah. I think he's a high character, high integrity guy. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Sonos. But I think there's a lot of room. When you look at how big that medium is, look at all the innovation. You know, TVs are amazing. They get better and better every year. Look at all the innovation around phones. When you think about our listening devices, I don't know, other than the ones in your ears, I'm talking about a home listening device. I think there's a lot of room for innovation. Spotify has the capital, the content. They could go vertical. They could they could make the device differentiated based on uh, the Spotify service. So I think this is begging for Spotify to come into the hardware space. That is a big prediction, Scott. If that happens, you will be brilliant. Yeah, and if you it doesn't, we'll brilliant. just ignore it and I'll just be me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be me. All right. That's a great prediction. I'm going to leave you on the prediction, except I want to know when, when, what time does the war with Denmark start? That's right. The Danes. The Danes. The Danes. Yeah. What? It's just, I don't, I have no predictions. Have you been to Copenhagen? What? Have you been to Denmark, Copenhagen? Of course. Many times. Oh, wonderful of course. city. <laughs> I'm a rich kid. Of course. I went yeah. to Europe a hundred times. There you go. Times, but I didn't yes, go. Yes, I was there with my son. I didn't go because I don't have I a sizzler there. So I'm like, that's it. They don't. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> no, we should move to Northern Europe. We would be, but we would be much less successful in Northern European. It would be like MSNBC when there's a Democrat in office. No one right. would give a shit. Everything we'd be saying would be like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, let us end on a quote from Hamlet then. Okay. This above all, to thine own self be true. There you go. Wow. That's a little learning for you. Wow. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Do you want another one? Yes, definitely. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. <laughs> I should have been an actor. Acting. You should have been. <laughs> Take it to be or not to be. That's All right, I'll leave us with a quote. Sometimes it's darkest okay. before it's pitch black. When is this all going to end, Kara? When is <laughs> oh, this God. all going to end? Never. All right. All right. It's not going to, Scott. Like you said, good and bad. Okay. Good and bad. Good to see you. What Buddhism. a pleasure to meet your mother. Thank you. Oh, that was that. Was that. that was nice. Oh. And thanks. Yes. Uh, Careful. Don't turn your back on her. That's what I say to you. Um, before we end, I want a quick plug for my other podcast, Rico Decode, because you'll like this and we'll talk about it next week. Today's episode uh, is a big panel discussion about CDA and Section 230. We had Kerry Goldberg, Jeff Kossoff, and Mike Masnick. It was a really good substantive discussion with three experts. So please check it out. And we're going to talk. I want you to listen to that one, Scott, because that was really interesting. Um, and I also want to call uh, out an email we got this week from a listener called, named Shane. 
Uh, he was at our live show in New York on Tuesday, and he says he loved it. Your show is so refreshing and direct. Refreshing. That's us. That's us yes, refreshing. Exactly. <laughs> We're refreshing like oh, a beverage. God. Um, Shane also says the crazy news cycle today reminds him of Howard Beale's famous rant on network. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. What do you think, Scott? Are you ready to fling open your window and start shouting into the streets of Nantucket? That guy's a role model of mine. I love that. Faye, probably Faye Dunaway's best film. That's a great movie. Network. Okay. That didn't end well for Howard Beale. Yeah. Just FYI. Yeah. FYI. Anyway, I saw Brian Cranston in the new version of it on Broadway. Oh, my God. Brian yeah. Cranston, greatest series great. in the history of television, Breaking Bad. Co he was great oh in this role. It was amazing, 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 amazing show. I'm sorry you didn't see it, but I enjoyed it. Um, I'm going. I'm in New York. I'm going to see Moulin Rouge this week too. There, what's Moulin, Moulin Rouge, Rouge doing? It's it's a new play on Broadway. It's a big hit. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to. It's culture, Scott. Let's pretty hard to sell that. Go, as, go to the Sizzler. Go to the Sizzler and enjoy Pretty hard your to sell that as compelling. Do that after you listen yeah. to the CDA panel. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Yeah. For those of us and I took who these, are not screaming yet, you can, polite, you can send us politely worded indoor voice email with your comments and suggestions to uh, pivot at voxmedia.com. We really do li listen to it. Scott, I will. I will. I will be with you again next week. I'm very excited, and we will plan our city that we're going to go to. Uh, I think it should be Tampa. Tampa? What do you think? Do, I'm do thinking we, I'm just I think in Miami. I think the Miami. big dog and the big cat go a little Latin, a little sexy, a little hot erotic. <laughs> That's right. right. I'm going to end on that. I'm going to stop you Let's go. you end your career. All right. Let's roll. Today's show is produced by Rebecca Sinanis and Eric Johnson. Eric Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Rebecca Castro, Drew Burrows, and Nishat Kurwa. Special thanks to Jeff Geld for mixing this episode. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you like this week's episode, leave us a review. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business.